0: Call in at 303-690-3000.
2: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Or if there's something going on in your life that you need prayer for, you can call us. We would love to pray for you. Uh, Give us a call or text us with your prayer request and we'll lift those up. We've got a lot of people tuning in and listening who would love to join us in lifting up your prayer requests to the Lord. And if you have questions, maybe things going on in the world today. What does the Bible say about them or things going on in your life personally? Or if you're just curious, like you've always wondered what a particular Bible verse means or how to understand it. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully bring some clarity to those areas. So the number to call is 303 690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for that text line. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming today on Grace FM. Welcome to you. You're here in the show live. Today is May 13th. It is a Friday. And a a beautiful, sunny, not-too-hot day here in Colorado. Uh, We also want to greet those who are listening on the Radio by Grace network of stations. You're also hearing the show live today. Radio by Grace has a network with stations all over the United States. And we're so glad to have you uh, tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. They are based out of Amarillo, Texas, but Radio by Grace has networks all over the southern states. So if you're listening on one of those stations, welcome. We're so glad to have you And we're excited about how God is growing the listening family of stations and people tuning in to Calvary Live all over the United States, but also around the world. I want to greet those who are listening online via the Grace FM app or gracefm.com. Welcome to you. I've got a map in front of me showing where we've got listeners Today, basically, we've got listeners on the West Coast, on the East Coast, and the Midwest, up and down the Rockies, uh, Texas, Florida, pretty much uh, all areas of the country being represented. And we have a listener I see in Ukraine. So welcome to you as well. Uh, If you don't yet have the Grace FM app, really encourage you to do that. A lot of good things you can do with that. One thing, the obvious thing is you can listen anywhere in the world where you have an internet connection. You can listen over your phone. And so you can go and get that app for free. Just Grace FM, one word, no spaces in the search bar for your app store or the Google Play store. Get that app, put it on your phone or your tablet, and you'll be all set to go. There's also a Bible reading plan in there. You can submit prayer requests, lots of good opportunities in there. And uh, that's, how I listen to Cal- uh, that's how I listen to Grace FM and Calvary Live, by the way. When I'm out and about, I don't really have a radio except in my car. And so I listen on the app generally. So if you haven't got that yet, it's free. You should put it on your um, devices and you'll be all set to go. You can also listen to this show and the other programs on Grace FM on your smart speakers. So if you have one of those, you can just tell it to tune in to uh, Grace FM. So do that. Uh, We also want to greet our listening stations on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those on listening in Tennessee, on Truth FM, and of course, Higher Rock Radio based out of uh, Boise and Meridian, Idaho. So welcome to you. So glad to have you tuning in as well. Just a heads up that those on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio, you hear the show on a one-week delay. Never let that cause you to not call in or text in with your questions, just be aware of that fact and maybe use it as an opportunity that you know that uh, when you call or text in, your question will be answered on a show that will air a week later in your local area, and that gives you a whole week to tell some friends to tune in and a great way to introduce them to that station. And they'll not only hear this show, but they'll hear all the other great Bible teaching on that local station where you are at. So welcome wherever you're tuning in from. So glad to have you. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We're part of the Calvary Chapel Church family. And uh, this morning, we had a great uh, Calvary Chapel pastor's breakfast gathering up in uh, Aurora at Calvary Church. And uh, good, encouraging time there, getting to see some of the other pastors, pastor's wives who had a breakfast. So be praying for our Calvary Chapel family of churches, not just here in Colorado, but wherever it is that you're listening as well, uh, God's continuing to do a great work through the Calvary Chapel movement, and we appreciate your prayers. Uh, but again, yeah, so our church is part of that Calvary Chapel network of, fam- uh, network of churches, that family of churches. Uh, my name is Nick Cady, again, Pastor Whitefields Community Church, and we're located in Longmont, Colorado, right on Highway 119, uh, which is the main road, which comes in from I-25 um, coming into Longmont and then down into Boulder, so we're right there. If you're ever driving on Highway 119 uh, between I-25 and downtown Longmont, just look to the north, and you can't miss our church building. Uh, we're right across the street from Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is the big sports complex here in Longmont, and. We're also have. we also right across the street from uh, Walmart, if you know where that is on the southeast side of Longmont. So uh, really conveniently located not just for those in Longmont, but also for those in surrounding communities uh, like the north side of Denver, Erie, um, Boulder, uh, up into Berthet, even Loveland, Johnstown, and Mead, Firestone, Frederick, DeCono, Um Let's see, Lions, Niwa, all those good areas. And so if you're in any of those places, we would love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. We have three services every Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. Um, those are, uh, we have children's ministry, we have worship and the Word. Right now we're studying through the Gospel of John, and specifically we're looking at the seven miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John. And John tells us at the end of the book that he calls the miracles, not miracles, but signs. And what the nature of a sign is that it points to something other than itself. So what John is saying is that Jesus' miracles— weren't just miracles for the sake of doing miracles. They were miracles which pointed to who he is and what he came to do. And John tells us that at the end of the book. He says, Jesus did many other signs, but these were written so that you may believe, and by believing have life in his name. And so we're looking at that. Our series is called So That You May Believe, and we're looking at the seven signs Jesus performed this week. We'll be looking at the entirety Of John chapter 5, which is a really interesting story where Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda. And this man, there was a legend at the time, we're not sure, maybe it was true, that um, the water would get stirred up by an angel. And then when that happened, the first person into the pool would be healed. Now, the reason I I think personally, I think it was more of a superstition than the truth, because I don't think that's how it works with God. I don't think it's like Hey, all you handicapped people, the one who is least handicapped and quickest into the water wins. I I just, I think that's kind of the opposite of God's grace, right? The story of God's grace is that good things happen to bad people, Uh, not that the first of the water wins. But um, the long story short, this guy had been there for 38 years, unable to get himself healed. And that's why also I think this is a picture of the gospel, because he wasn't able to do this healing for himself. And then... Uh, Jesus comes along, asks him, do you want to be healed? Which is kind of a funny question to ask somebody who's at a place where people supposedly get healed and he's infirmed, right? It's kind of like saying, hey, do you like uh, dollar bills or babies who smile or rainbows, right? Like, uh, yeah, everybody likes those things. And so, uh, of course, that's why I'm here. I want to be healed. And so Jesus tells him to do something that he wasn't able to do. But at the word of Jesus, the command of Jesus In obedience, as he steps out and does what Jesus calls him to do, God gives him the ability, and that's so applicable to our lives as well. But there's a whole piece on this where Jesus purposefully does this on the Sabbath and goes into this whole thing about how God works on the Sabbath, and therefore, since he is God, it is okay for him to do good works on the Sabbath. Really, really amazing passage. These people essentially try to put Jesus on trial, but instead Jesus flips it around and he puts them on trial Um, Which is actually the story of all of us. All of us, we tend to like. Uh, act like God has to answer to us, but the the truth is at the end of time, all of us will stand before God and have to answer to him. So this would be a great uh, service and a great message for you to come to and also invite a friend to. We're making sure that we preach the gospel and give the message of hope and life in Jesus every Sunday during the service so that you may believe. And so we'd love to have you come and join us, 8 a.m., nine thirty, and 11. Our address is 2950 colorful avenue in longmont colorado so 2950 colorful avenue but you can find directions just by googling us whitefields church uh whitefields is two words by the way not one and you can also just go to our website whitefieldschurch.com so that's whitefieldschurch.com listen to past messages get directions all that good stuff on there let's go to our first caller here pat in Greeley, colorado hi pat welcome to the program hey
3: pastor nick how are you doing today
2: doing well Pastor, I just
3: want your take on something. It's something I always struggle with, and I, I try to to formulate it in my head, but it's a difficult subject. It's the subject of predestination. God says it's not his wish that anyone should perish, but yet he's sovereign, it says before the creation of the world, um, the ones that were to be saved were selected. They were predestined to be selected. Is that because he had foreknowledge of who would accept and who would deny, and therefore, in that vein, those are the ones that were going to be predestined to be in the image of his Son. I mean, it's, it's just so confusing, confusing, because it also conflicts with free will. How can God be sovereign in, in individuals that are predestined to be saved? And yet there's free will. I mean, it's a very difficult, confusing subject. Can you give me a 30,000-foot view?
2: Yeah, I will give you a 30,000-foot view. Um, you know, we have at least two passages in the Bible that talk about predestination. There might be more, but there's two that I can think of off the top of my head right now that use the word predestination. Uh, the first one's in Ephesians chapter 1. It says that he predestined us to adoption as sons. And then the uh, other one that comes to mind is in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 29, where it says that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And so uh, I think the, the thing that people struggle with so much right, in this is they say, okay, is this just determinism? Is this fatalism, which means that it doesn't matter what I do. It's already been predetermined, and therefore my actions don't matter. I said, well, it certainly can't be that, because God has already uh, made it clear that we must, uh, that our decisions do matter, and what we do can affect eternity and affect our eternal destiny. So part of it is, yes, God knows the beginning from the end, right? He's all-knowing, and he has a very, you know, there's no problem for him to, he knows how it's going to turn out. Um, And yet he also determines things, right? Like he determines that some people will be saved. They're chosen even. Those are the words that are used they're called. And so I think that we should not soft pedal those things, right? Here's what I think. I think that we should take the Bible at what it says and where we struggle to wrap our minds around it to just deal with that fact that God is higher than we are. His ways are greater than ours. And actually, we can delight in that. We can say, okay, it says that God predestines these things, and I'm going to believe that. And when it says that my agency matters and my decisions matter, I'm going to believe that too, and I'm going to act in that way. And um, here's what I would tell people too from a practical level. If God is has Full sovereignty and predestines things, which obviously he does, according to the Bible. There's nothing you can do about that. But God says there are things that you can do things about, and He tells you that your actions matter. So, in other words, I can't do anything about God's actions or decisions, but I can do something about my own. Therefore, um, while it's it's interesting to think about and even praise God for the fact that He is sovereign. Um, I I don't need to get too hung up on it. I need to actually, like in a practical day-to-day level, I need to put my attention onto what I am called to do and what I can do. And um and those verses that pertain to me are verses that say things like, you know, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so um I need to do that. <clears throat> so I hope that helps. I mean, I, I'm not I guess here's the way I've had it described you could say that there's kind of like two train tracks. And if you stand on the train tracks and you walk the train tracks, when you're looking at them close up, it just seems like there there's no way that these train tracks ever meet, right? They're always kind of parallel to each other. And yet, as you look off in the distance, somewhere in your frame of vision, you know you can see where they meet up ahead. And what you trust is that God, in his greatness and his sovereignty, um he knows how it works, and someday it might make sense to us too when we see and we are known as we know as we are known, but as for now, you know, we revel in his uh in the fact that He chose us because uh you know there's a famous quote from Charles Spurgeon where he says, "I'm sure glad God chose me before the foundation of the earth because." Uh, after I'd lived a while, he probably wouldn't have, right? Uh, so I think that's that's pretty funny. Um, but the, the point is, like, we revel in the fact, like, wow, what amazing grace, you know? And then on the other hand, we say, okay, but I have a responsibility. I have agency, and my actions do matter. And how all that, you know, works out in the end is kind of not my responsibility. I can dig into it. I can try and understand it. But at the end of the day, I I just uh need to operate in it.
3: Pastor that's fantastic. Thank you so much that you gave me a whole different way to look at this. Uh I'm I'm looking for answers that that are probably beyond what I could put together, but if you look at it in in the way you just explained it, let God do his thing and yet I know I have responsibilities on my part and I need to take faith in that.
4: Mm.
3: And uh, that's that's really really uh, that's why I called, oh, Pastor. Good. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Always good to hear from you, Pat. Always enjoy hearing your voice.
3: Same here, Pastor. Same here. You take care, and may all God right. bless you.
2: God bless you. You know, just uh, going a little further on Pat's call, but first, let me give you the numbers to call in because we have all open lines right now. So it's a perfect time to call in. And then I'll just uh, add a few thoughts um, on this. Topic of predestination versus free will. So the number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. The text line again, 720 336 0897. So give us a call with your questions about the Bible. Give us a call with your prayer requests. We're standing by to take those calls, to pray for you. And to answer your questions about the Bible and about life and how God's word speaks to it. So once again, the call in number 303-690-3000. So the only thing I was going to add to this conversation with Pat was just that, um, you know, the, the, one of the passages in the Bible, not the only one, but one of the passages in the Bible that speaks really clearly about God's sovereign choice is in Romans chapter 9, where it's talking about how God chose the people of Israel and how God chooses some and not others. And it says, essentially, that's his prerogative. He can do that, and um, it's totally fair for him to do that because he's God. But then, you know what's also really important? The very next chapter, chapter 10, talks so much about the importance of human agency. And by the way, I don't like to use the term free will. I think that that is, first of all, whereas you see words like, um, you know, predestination is actually in the Bible. Uh, The word free will is not in the Bible. And I think that we shouldn't, you know, use it because it carries with it a lot of cultural baggage, right? It means that I'm completely able to do whatever I want. I don't actually think that's the case. I would say that we do have um, agency, though. That's the term I like to use because God has given us a degree of agency. I don't think it's completely free will. I think that um, there's part of our will that is in bondage, either in bondage to sin and corruption or, you know, in God's power. We have uh, now, we have the freedom, having been born again, to be able to to choose things which apart from that, from being regenerated, we were not able to do. So that's why I I avoid the word free will or the term free will. I instead say that God has given us a degree of agency, right? Which means responsibility. And he tells us to make choices and that our choices do matter. And so what I was saying is chapter nine of Romans really goes hard at the uh, sovereignty and the, the sovereign choice of God, that kind of thing. But then on the other hand, um, there is chapter 10, which goes hard after the importance of human agency and the importance of choosing, right? It says, how can they believe? So it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on the Lord if they haven't heard of him? And how can they believe in him if they haven't heard of him, and how can they hear of him if no one tells them, and how can someone tell them if they're not sent? So that's talking about responsibility, the responsibility of us to send people, the responsibility of people who hear the gospel to believe and receive it, etc. And so those two things are true at the same time, and it's okay to to live in the tension of those two and say, I believe that both of these things are true because the Bible says so. And how they work out, man, I don't know. But there are times when I rejoice in God's sovereignty and there are times when I know that I need to act upon the agency God has given me. So, hey, fabulous question, Pat. It's one of those age-old questions that's kind of what you might call an intramural debate, meaning like it's a thing that we debate as Christians, as family, and uh, some people go harder on the side of, Of the um, human agency, some people go harder on the side of the um, sovereignty of God, and I say they're both true in full measure at the same time. It's both and. All right, let's go to our next caller, Justin in Firestone, Colorado. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the program.
0: Hey, what's going on, Pastor? Make happy Friday. Uh, Hey. Question. So I've kind of heard like Pastor Chuck Smith on the radio talk about like Nimrod in Genesis and how there was like stories of like a virgin first and the resurrection from the dead. And I don't know, just, I've, I've heard non-believers mention like, Oh, you know, like, you know, Jesus, that's just, you know, there's all sorts of stories of other people doing the same things of being born of a virgin and resurrecting after three days. And so I guess I was just kind of looking for some historical background to that. And also like not a way to combat with like non-believers, but just to kind of have like the, uh, answer
2: i guess to that yes um justin i'm so glad you called in and asked that i actually um have a whole sermon that i taught on this subject and the sermon is um i'm gonna i would be happy to send by the way anybody a uh, link to listen to that message online so anybody wants to text into the show i'll text you back with a place to listen to that um to that message. I did this, I think back in 2017, I did a whole, well, actually 2018, I did a whole long message about what's called, what you're referring to is called the Christ myth. And I can give you a few examples right now while I've got you on the phone. Um, But if you want a more detailed uh, explanation, then um, yeah, I would love to text you a link to a sermon I taught on it where I go into more detail. And I'll give you a few further resources uh, on this topic. But if you want to Google it um, and look more into it, the subject is called The Christ Myth. Uh, by the way, the text line for anybody who wants it is, called, is uh, 720-336-0897. So text in, and I'll send you a link to that message. It was in a series we did at our church called The Trouble Is. And so that, if you go on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, go to media. And then you can find the sermon series, The Trouble Is. Okay, so basically, the thing with this, like, have you heard of the movie Zeitgeist?
0: I have, but I just, I haven't wanted to watch it or not because like I'm worried or anything, like not at all, but like, I'm just like, I don't even want to waste my time on that kind of deal.
2: Sure. Yeah. And I would encourage you that that's a good, good take, because I'll tell you what, it comes across um, pretty, pretty convincing. Um, And actually, really, what's weird about the movie is really only like the first 10 minutes of it are convincing. And then it gets like really out there with like some bizarre conspiracy theories. But the first part is not something that's new to Zeitgeist, but it made it very popular because like in the early days of YouTube, uh, there weren't a lot of videos on YouTube. And this one was on there and it got viewed a lot. So, you know, it's this whole idea like that Horus, the Egyptian god, was born on December 25th, born of a virgin, uh, marked by a star in the East, adored by three kings. He was a teacher at age 12, baptized and entered ministry at age 30, and that he resurrected from the dead. And of course, they're saying the whole thing about Jesus, basically Jesus just borrowed from all these other myths. And therefore Christianity isn't, um, isn't even unique, right? It's just borrowing from other uh, ancient myths and just kind of conglomerating them into uh, one thing. And um, so all that to say, um, if you actually look into this more, um, it's, it's really interesting that you can actually really go after this. And if you dig, you know, what you find is that it turns out the best place to get your historical information is not from YouTube videos. Um, but I'll tell you this, um, if I were going to give you an explanation for this, I would tell you this. Um, first of all, a lot of that is misinformation like they'll say things about horus that are not actually true. Um like for example, even if horus was said to be born on December 25th, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, right? Like that's a much later thing. It was 400 AD when Pope Julius started doing that. Um but anyway, I could go through the list and just tell you that most of these things that they say, "Oh, these are parallels to Jesus," they're actually not. They're like really big stretches. To say that. So I would tell anybody who says, oh, that sounds convincing or, oh, I find that problematic, just literally go research it because what you'll find out is that what these supposed parallels are, they're actually really not close at all. So, for example, when it says that Horus uh, was resurrected on the third day, um, actually, if you read the story, he didn't resurrect. What happens is he got cut up into like a thousand pieces and thrown into a swamp and then he turned into a crocodile, which is not at all the same as like Jesus resurrecting from the dead. Yeah. So um yeah, like there's other ones where they'll be like, oh, he was born of a virgin. Well, no, it says that he was born of a rock. A uh, rock is not the same as like a actual virgin. So um you know, like I said, there's more of these. And um there there's a lot that go into this. Um I would tell you this though. If there was a, a close parallel to it, my explanation as a Christian would simply be this. Uh, you know, if I was going to try and give you a fake $100 bill, I wouldn't like give you one that didn't look anything like a $100 bill. I'd try and make it look as close to a $100 bill as possible, right? Like basically a counterfeit that looks like a fake isn't going to trick anybody. And so if there's a devil who wants to give counterfeits and mislead people, then he's going to try and give you a pretty good counterfeit, right? And so um, that would be my explanation. I think that's also the danger of what we would call pseudo-Christian cults, you know, when you talk about, like, people who claim the name of Jesus, but they then believe things that are different than what the Bible teaches.
0: For sure, yeah, that's really great, and I'll uh, I'll look up that uh, the trouble is um, on on the website on Whitefield. Um, yeah, that's really good, and like um, I totally agree with you. The reason why I haven't really looked at it about is because I'm like, yeah, totally, you know, the enemy is a beguiler, a trickster, and so like, why would I even, you know, and that's that's kind of my idea behind it too, and uh, just like I, what the the kind of the thing that I say to people when they bring that up is like, what it really boils down to is just like. Do you believe God is good? Like, if you believe in God, do you believe that God is good? And if so, like, he's not trying to trick you. God's not a trickster. That's the enemy. So, but cool. Right on. Thank you very one much. More, for, uh, one, I appreciate it.
2: one more thing I'll give you is um, another resource that would be good for people to look at is a website called alwaysbeready.com. So, alwaysbeready.com is run by a, a friend of mine in California. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, He has an article called Zeitgeist, Is Jesus a Myth? And a lot of the same information that's in my message, you can find in text form on his website. So thanks, Justin. Great to hear from you. And uh, we'll be right back in two minutes time. We've come to our mid-show break. You're listening to Calvary Live.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven that's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. uh, let's go to our next caller, Nick in New Jersey. Hey, Nick, welcome to the program. Hello,
1: how are you doing great what's up? um something I always kind of questioned I've been trying to study the Bible a little bit more these days, and I know that you know in scripture it basically Jesus says. The only way to heaven is through him but i mean obviously people are born all over the world and people in different areas have different religions so people are going to grow up in their parents religion out of respect so i don't really see that the bible kind of mentioning you know how that affects them and their ability to get to heaven
2: yeah so that's a that's a really good question um You know, the best answer for that in the Bible comes from Romans chapter 1, and it talks about how everybody in the world has some ability to know things about God. So Romans 1 kind of addresses everybody, and it shows that everybody in the world is in need of a Savior. So first of all, it starts with talking about why people need a Savior, and the reason is because even though uh, there were things that people could know about God— um, they have chosen to suppress the knowledge of God in unrighteousness, and, and in other words, it isn't that they didn't know that God exists; it, that they um, they didn't they didn't like the God that that exists, and so they've uh, rejected God, and they've chosen to go their own way. And it says that God's judgment therefore is coming against people's rebellion and suppression of the knowledge of God. Now, this is an important point because it, what it means is that. God's judgment is coming because of that, because of people suppressing the knowledge of God and ignoring it. Now, different people in different parts of the world have differing levels of knowledge of the one true God. And it's really also an important thing to understand what we would call a biblical anthropology, right? meaning the study of human beings and where our culture comes from, etc. To find that, we go back to the book of Genesis. And you know, a secular... Uh, approach to anthropology basically says this, people either evolved or whatever, and then they kind of discovered God. And the way they discovered God, it went like this. They started worshiping nature, so we call that animism. Then they went from animism to polytheism, right? So they started worshiping abstract things rather than physical things they could see, like abstract things that they couldn't see, meaning like forces, but they worship multiple ones. And then through the development of religion over time, people then began to uh, worship one God, right? So monotheism being kind of like the the ultimate form of religion. Well, what's interesting is the Bible actually tells us the exact opposite anthropology. It says that in the beginning, God created man and woman. And in the beginning, people knew God. They knew who God was. And it wasn't that they didn't, it wasn't that God was like, um, playing a game where we had to discover him. Rather, we started out knowing God, and then people chose, as we read through through the book of Genesis, people chose to turn away from God and create their own gods and worship those gods instead. And then Romans 1 describes that rather than evolution of religion, it re- describes devolution, uh, where people knew God, but they didn't like the fact that they, the idea of like submitting to God. And so what they did is they would choose to worship other things, and that's where it says in Romans chapter 1 that they chose, in the end, to worship created things rather than the creator, God. And so that's why God's judgment is coming, because in unrighteousness we've suppressed the truth. So what that means is that God God's judgment comes according to knowledge, and it comes based on rebellion. And so that judgment, of course, is going to be different for different people based on the knowledge that they had of God and the ways that they've rebelled. And it says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? They speak about God day and night. They talk about who God is. This is called natural theology or what we sometimes call general revelation. So what that means is that um, there's things that you can— discern about God just by viewing the the nature in the world, right? So a really good example of this would be like Plato and Aristotle who viewed the world and they came to some conclusions, right? They came to the conclusion that if there is a God, he is a, a good God, right? Like so he gives rain upon the righteous and the wicked alike. He's a merciful, gracious God. Uh, he's long-suffering, right? He Uh, in the midst of our foibles and mistakes, he continues to give us breath in our lungs. And so there's all these things that we can know about God from general revelation. Everybody in the world has that, no matter where you live, there's a general revelation. Then there's specific revelation, which means like if you know the Bible and what the Bible says, um, you have specific revelation. So basically, based on the things that you know and what you've done with that knowledge, that is the basis of God's judgment. Um, so that that's important when we consider people in the world who, let's say, you were born in the Middle East and um, you you just went with your parents' religion, as you said. I think the other part of this, though, is that what Christianity says throughout throughout the Bible, right? Old Testament, New Testament, is that um, every person needs to make a choice for themselves, even people who are born into the Christian fa- into Christian families or believing families. So like in the book of Deuteronomy this is a big thrust of the book of Deuteronomy is that it's it's a message that was originally spoken to the generation that had grown up. Their parents were the ones who had come out of Egypt and had, you know, crossed the Red Sea and eaten manna in the desert. And now these are their kids and now they're grown up and it's time for them to enter into the promised land. And there's this speech that's given to them and essentially the a big thrust of the speech is okay, this was your parents' faith, but that's not enough. You need to decide, and that's that's actually said over and over in the book of Deuteronomy, choose today. You know, really, here's, he says, I present before you life and death. Choose life, but it's not a given that they will, right? And so with each generation, uh, we're, we're told throughout the Bible, right? God has no, God has children, but he doesn't have grandchildren. In other words, you can't, it's not okay to just simply go with the tradition, you need to look at the evidence and decide for yourself, and that's a major thrust of Christianity, and that would be the encouragement of the Scriptures to every single person in the world. So uh, I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah, so so Nick, with, with that said, um, what I, the way that I always looked at things, if, if people around the world believe in one Creator one God that that created everything, um, whether they grow up in another religion or not, I would think that that would still bring you to the right place at the the end of your life.
2: Well, let's put it this way. I am not the judge of all the earth, and I'm really glad, and I'm sure everybody else is really glad that I'm not the judge of all the earth. So that might be um, a little bit beyond my pay grade to determine that definitively. But I can say this, based on my reading of the Bible and my understanding of the scriptures, I read some really clear things, right? And so if, for example, someone has heard that specific revelation where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Or if Jesus says, um, I am the gate for the sheep, well, what's a gate? It's the only way to enter into the sheep fold is through him i think that's that's really specific and it's really exclusive and as much as we might say oh exclusivity just doesn't seem good to me i i don't make the rules right like i'm not god and so um i have to take jesus at his word when he says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so and jesus says this by the way in mark chapter I think it's Mark chapter one. It might be chapter two where he's talking about the more, you know, watch out, you know, because the more, you know, the more you will be judged based on your knowledge. And so if you have knowledge, then you're, you now have a responsibility to respond appropriately. So obviously uh, a person who has heard about Jesus and has chosen to not follow Jesus, but to follow even the religion of their ancestors or their parents, I do think that they will be held to account.
1: I really appreciate your explaining all that and getting into that detail. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thank you. God bless you, Nick.
1: Uh, You too. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the place where you can call with your questions about the Bible. Or questions about theology. Nick just called in with a great question about, you know, is Jesus the only way? What about people who are raised in other faiths? Is it possible for them to be saved? Uh, Really appreciate him calling in and asking about that, discussing what the Bible has to say. If you have questions in those same veins or maybe something completely different, give us a call. 303-690-3000 or text us. 720 336 0897. Also, call us and text us with your prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. Let's go to our next caller, Rusty in North Carolina. Hi, Rusty. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, Rusty. We can hear you. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Uh, hold
3: on. We're
4: turn
2: on that. Yeah, if you've got a radio on, Rusty, you might need to turn that off.
4: I have to call you back
2: sorry well rusty i see your question there uh you know what we'll put you on hold let's go to our next caller in the meantime let's go to phil in aurora colorado hi phil welcome to the program
0: hi thank you um my question is uh so jesus talked about if um someone strikes you on the right cheek uh, you know give them the left as well and then um then we see like in uh luke twenty two thirty six, he says if you uh if you don't have a sword, they sell your cloak and buy one, and they kind of came up with uh, This this kind of came up in a conversation with my family, and so I just didn't really know how to answer that. and It seemed like a kind of a seemed like kind of a contradiction, but I, I don't believe it is.
2: Sure, yeah, no, there's a really big difference um, between the two. So, okay, so he's saying buy a sword. What would be the purpose for buying a sword? I mean, would it be to go out and attack people with a sword, or will it be for self-defense? I'm I'm guessing it's for self-defense, right? Just knowing Jesus. And, um, you know, the reason you would need a sword is because they would be going out and sleeping in places outside of cities. We generally tend to think nowadays, like in our culture, that cities are dangerous and the countryside is safe. But it's really important to understand that in the ancient world, it was just the opposite. Cities were safe places. And the countryside was very dangerous because that's where, you know, marauders and people roamed uh, freely. Cities were generally fortified and had guards and things like that. And so as they're going to be going out to preach the gospel, you know, think about even Paul, all the distance he went so, so many times they would have been sleeping next to the side of the road. Right. And so it would be important to have uh, some way to defend yourself from marauders and thieves and things like that. Um now, on the other hand, when persecution came at Jesus and his disciples because of their faith, uh, Jesus didn't encourage them to defend themselves, right? Like, you remember when they came to arrest Jesus and Peter cuts off the ear of the servant, and Jesus says, hey, that's not what we're about, right? Like, if they're going to come for you in that way, well, then that's a different story. Now, it's, it's also different when it talks about um, Jesus saying, if someone strikes you on the cheek okay so is that's another question so think about this is jesus talking about a punch on the cheek or is he talking about a slap well he's clearly talking about a slap and i'll tell you why Um, because it says there i want to read the verse if anyone slaps you on the right cheek now i don't i don't want to get too much into like uh, breaking this down but think about that your right cheek If most people are right-handed and they punched you in the face, they would be punching you in the left cheek, right? And so how do you get slapped on the right cheek? That's a backhanded slap. In other words, that's not a physical assault. This is an offense, okay? So, So yeah, like a personal offense. It's a slap in the face, as we would say. If someone slaps you in the face, disrespects you, in other words, is a better way to think about this then rather than uh, getting retaliation in that moment, saying, you offended me, therefore I will now insult you, he's saying, absorb that and then turn your cheek. If they want to slap the other cheek, then go ahead. You know. In other words, um, don't be petty, is what Jesus is saying. You know. And, and just like, if someone wants to disrespect you, you know what, you've got a bigger calling in your life than worrying about people disrespecting you your goal is not to uh defend your honor if you will in that sense but you have a higher calling you're living for the kingdom you have a higher purpose you have a bigger message than just your own uh respect and defending it that's the issue there he's not talking about physical safety Does that make a difference
0: yeah um so i think i understand the the slapping the slap part, kind of the insult, and looking, oh, we're looking at insults, kind of thing. But then, how, what is the sword, selling your cloak and to buy the sword? Is that like defending yourself against like a physical attack, I guess?
2: Or? Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, that's really the issue is defending yourself against a physical attack, again, having to do with the fact that Jesus is sending them out like sheep among wolves. He's given them a message and, and something to proclaim to all the earth. He's sending them out, and there it'll be, you know, having an extra coat is not going to be as helpful to you as having a sword to defend yourself in the in the countryside when you're sleeping out in the open, um, going out to carry out the mission of Jesus.
0: All right. Yeah, I think that, that helps clear it up.
2: Cool. Awesome. Hey, great to hear from you, and uh, thanks for calling in. <sighs> All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, Pastor Nick Katie here from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, uh, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller. We're going back to Rusty in North Carolina. Hey, Rusty, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for taking my
2: call. Absolutely. What's up?
4: I wanted to ask you about my son. I, uh, I lost him in combat in 2014 in Afghanistan, and uh, he was baptized when he was young before mother and i were divorced and i often uh, tried to get him to go to church when he was older um but what does the bible say about soldiers killed in combat
2: Mm. you know i'm not sure that the bible makes a distinction about soldiers killed in combat specifically uh first of all let me just uh say i'm really sorry to hear that you lost your son and um Sorry, hang on. Uh, the, uh, the next thing I would say is, I, I don't know if the Bible speaks directly to that. Uh, you know that there's an old saying that there's no atheists in foxholes. And I have found that to be the case um, whenever I have been with somebody who is in a situation where their life is being threatened or where um, the end of life is, is a possibility. Uh, and especially not when it's a certainty. I've really never met anybody on their deathbed who um, was ready to just curse God and die. Uh, I'm sure that they exist, but, you know, Rusty, I I think there are going to be a lot of people when we get to heaven who we didn't expect to see there uh, and who maybe fought with God or resisted God a lot during their life, but when it came down to it at the end, uh, they gave their life to him, and I really do sincerely hope that that's the case for your son. Well, Rusty, is there any way that I can pray for you? Uh, please do. Yeah, let's pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for Rusty, and Lord, just, I pray that you would give him comfort, and I pray that you give him hope. And Lord, I'm reminded of what your word says in Luke 16. A man passed away, and it said that his greatest desire was to go back to earth and speak to his family and tell them, uh, to to believe in Jesus and to listen to the testimony of the scriptures. And I can't help but wonder if that's what Rusty's son would want as well. And so, Lord, may we honor him in that way uh, by knowing what he would have wanted if he could have spoken to us today. And, and I pray, Lord, that we would respond to your word and take the testimony of the scriptures, um, Lord, that we might truly give our lives to you and have that eternal life. And Lord, we do pray for Rusty. We pray for him, Lord. Comfort him. Um, I'm sure that it's still very hard. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd be with him. Give him your grace and your presence. And we pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Rusty. Thanks for calling in. All right, bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Got about 10 minutes left in the show. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720 897 Let's go to Alexis in New Jersey. Hi, Alexis. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Pastor Nank. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so I have a question. Um, my father and I have been, like, debating a little bit about this, and I'm not sure what's what. Um, he mentioned something about rightly dividing the Bible, and that—not that we, like, throw out the whole Bible, but basically— our apostle is Paul, and we should follow mostly what Paul taught. And I've never heard of it. I don't know what it means to rightly divide the Bible, and I don't even know if that's something that we're supposed to do. So I was hoping maybe you can give me some clarification.
2: Yeah, so um, we are told that. That's actually a, a quote from the Bible. It's um, found in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Let me read it to you. Do your best to present yourself to God, As one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, and some translations translated as rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so this is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to a guy named Timothy, who was a pastor in the ancient city of Ephesus. And he's writing to him in what's called the pastoral letters about, you know, stuff about being a pastor, how to be a good pastor. And one of the things he says, as a good pastor, I want you to do this. Be diligent to make sure that you um, are rightly handling or rightly dividing the word of truth, which is the Bible. So what he's telling Timothy to do is to make sure that he is teaching the Bible accurately. That's it right there. That's all it is. Now, um, you had mentioned something about like how Paul is our apostle or something to that effect. I would just jump in and say real quick, we don't have a stratified thing, right? Where we say like Paul's number one, Peter's number two, Jesus is number three. God forbid we ever say Jesus is number three, right? Uh, we would say this, the, the words in the Bible are inspired by the same Holy Spirit, whether they're spoken by Jesus, whether they're spoken by or written by Paul, or whether they're written by Peter, or whether they're written by Ezekiel, right? We believe the word of God in its entirety is inspired by the Spirit, and the Spirit is God. Therefore, we don't uh, say that some parts of the Bible are more inspired than other parts of the Bible. We have a term for that in case our listeners are curious. We call that making a canon within the canon. We don't do that. So, we believe the whole Scripture is given by God and is profitable um, for teaching, reproof, correction and training in righteousness. So we don't, um, in other words, we don't stratify uh, either, neither teachers nor uh, parts of the Bible. Does that help? I gotcha. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so very much. But Paul is absolutely right that we should seek to rightly handle or divide the Word of God, which simply means that you should be a student of the Bible and try and Understand rightly what it says. Don't take its words out of context. Really become a student of the Bible. And I would really encourage you to do that as well. Thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless you. God yeah. bless. Bye bye. Hey, listen to Calvary Live. We've got time for about one more call. Let's go to Ray in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi. How's it going, Pastor Dick?
2: It's going okay. What's up?
4: Yeah, you guys prayed for me uh, three times or so. Uh, okay. My wife who had cancer, she had actually succumbed to it. She went on to the Lord but uh, mm-hmm. she uh she had a uh, event in the hospital that uh, covid was actually found in her body, and they don 't know how long it was mm-hmm. and uh, they don 't know how long she had it, but i 'm wondering if that attributed to her passing Mm-hmm. She was a wonderful woman in Christ, uh, and I'm wondering if it's a Christian thing to actually have a uh, lawsuit against a hospital. Does the Bible say not to sue? Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah, so here's what the Bible says. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians, and it talks about, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and it talks about Christians suing each other. Now, in this case, it's more of what we would call small claims court, right? So it's not big things, right, where somebody... Uh, did something really wrong that needs to be dealt with in a court of law. In those cases, we should involve the authorities. But it's something like, hey, you know, this person didn't pay their rent. And so I'm going to take them I, I think I like to associate it instead with what we call small claims court. And so um, yeah, if there's a criminal case, for example, that would be an instance where I think it would be justified to to maybe have a lawsuit or to take it to the legal authorities. If it's a civil thing, where it's like two Christians who can't seem to settle their stuff, and so they're taking each other and suing each other, you know, for kind of more trivial things that should be able to be things that we can work out amongst each other as brothers and sisters within the community of faith. Then we we shouldn't be going to small claims court over those things. We should work those things out within the church body. What was How, the
4: scripture? First Corinthians twelve.
2: First Corinthians five. Five. Yeah, but now that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that's not a all out blatant, um, you know, forbidding of lawsuits. doesn't mean there's never a time for a lawsuit. In some cases there may be. Now I would just, um, you know, here's some questions for you to work through. And I would really just tell you, pray about these questions and think through them, talk about them with the Lord. First one is why, what is your goal and motivation in doing this? Right. Um, that's something that you need to work through with the Lord. The second one would be, um, you know, is this going to, to do anything that would actually be beneficial? What, what would be the purpose? I guess that's what it comes down to. Check your motivation before the Lord. Think about why you're seeking to do this. And if you have a, a good, righteous motivation, something really wrong took place, and you feel that there needs to be justice, and it's worth taking to a court of law, I don't think there's a prohibition against it. In the Bible.
4: Yeah, you don't want that happening to another individual that goes in. Uh, if it was, uh, I don't know if understaffed or improper P- PES or. Uh, sure. I mean, how did she get it? How did, how did she get COVID in the hospital?
2: I don't know. Yeah. So I would just would encourage. She have lived
4: you... if she didn't get it. She yeah. There for big answer treatment.
2: Big questions. Let me pray for you, and then I'll have to let you go. We've come to the end of our show. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Ray, and I pray, Lord, comfort him during this time with the loss of his dear wife. And Lord, I also pray for Ray, that you give him wisdom and guidance, Lord, and to know what he should do, if he should pursue uh, litigation in this way or if he should not. So I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Ray. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, we've come to the end of our show. Um, We've got a minute and a half left. I just want to thank you for tuning in today, and if you want a piece of information, uh, again, my name is Nick Cady, Pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Friday, and it's such an honor to take your calls and to pray for your prayer requests. Um, If you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, I would just like to invite you personally to join us this coming Sunday. We'll be studying John chapter 5 as we work our way through the gospel of John in our series called So That You May Believe. Our ser- our services are at 8, 9, 30, and 11, and you can find information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I pray you're, if you're out driving that your drive is safe, and I look forward to being with you again next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. God bless you. Have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.